They say, whoever they is, that St. Augustine, also known as St. Augustine, depending on where you come from or what your teacher told you when you learned about it, if you've learned about it, one of the great church fathers, one of the great theological minds of Christianity in those days, following Pentecost and as the church grew and in those first several centuries, St. Augustine or St. Augustine uh, was known as truly a great theological mind. Uh, They say that St. Augustine was walking down the beach one day and uh, enjoying just a beautiful day as the surf was coming in. And there was a little boy who was playing in the surf and apparently had some kind of container like a pail or or a bowl and was taking uh, the ocean water and walking over maybe 50 yards, 100 yards over into the sand and was dumping it out on the sand. Uh, Now St. Augustine watched him for a while and then finally approached the child and and said, son, what are you up to? And uh, that's when the little boy said, well, I'm I'm, I'm emptying the ocean into this hole I've dug. And that's when St. Augustine, being very intellectual and very smart, says, that is impossible, son. And with that, the little boy looked up at him and said, sir, so is you ever understanding the Trinity? And he walked away. That's what they say happened. I wasn't there, neither were you, so we'll go with it. But that makes sense to me because you know what? Those who say they understand the Trinity, it's kind of like trying to fit all of the water of the ocean into a little hole. And that hole happens to be our small minds and our small hearts and and the thought that Almighty, everlasting, eternal God, who has always been and always will be, could somehow, some way, fit in the likes of us and be comprehended by us. Can you imagine something so ridiculous as that? And yet that may offend some of you. You say, well, what are you saying? You saying I'm not smart? No, I'm actually not saying that at all. It's more a commentary on how huge and amazing our God is and who we are as his creatures his creation and God has given us this great gift a doctrine called the Trinity another great church father by the name of Tertullian uh, once was quoted as saying uh, and, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit here he says in regard to the Trinity he says pondering it can cause you to lose your mind and then he followed that up by saying but failing or or uh, rejecting the idea of pondering it can lose one's soul That's how important this is. And for a lot of Christians, I'm persuaded of this more and more, is in this day, in this modern day perception that truth is relative, a victim of postmodernism, that I can pick what truths that I want to hold on to, and just by my holding them, that means it's true. And so you can have two people having conflicting ideas, and in this postmodernistic age, saying, well, they're both right. And yet that is the, the reality of our world today. But is that the right way to approach God? Um, I, I've thought about this too. You think of how, um, for a lot of us, maybe the Trinity and the idea of the Trinity is, we know it's kind of important, we know it's there, and yet maybe kind of like correlating it, say, to our body and our appendix, uh, we know it's there, but we don't really understand why it's important. And if it had to be removed, we wouldn't, uh, get all upset because well, we don't want to get it anyway. And the problem is, it's so much more of a big deal than just losing your appendix. In fact, what we find throughout Christianity and our, our history 
is that the Trinity plays a major role in our understanding of what it means to be true believers in God's Word. God reveals Himself and gives us His name. We don't have to guess at who God is, but rather God tells us who He is. He tells us what to call Him. He reveals Himself as Father, as Son, and as Holy Spirit. And what's confusing is He also reveals Himself as one God. Now, how does that work? A lot of people have tried to uh, correlate that to ways of thinking and maybe some verbal language that maybe paints a picture. For instance, like um, back in the, the medieval times, they explained the Trinity in this way, that, that God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is like uh, H2O or water that, that can come as a liquid or can be frozen in a frozen state like ice. It can also be vaporized like boiling water that vaporizes into the air or humidity, that it's all H2O but it takes different forms. And that's helpful, right? I mean, maybe that's how you learned it. You thought, hey, this, this is understandable. This makes total sense. Um, others have tried to explain it like this. Um, the Trinity is like an apple. And uh, the apple, just like an apple, has three parts. It has the skin of the apple. It has the meat of the apple. And then there's the core of the apple. Um, that's kind of cute. It kind of works, too. And they're like, okay, it's one apple. And you have three parts. Um, I always wonder where the seeds fit into that one, but okay. Or, or an egg, though it isn't used as much because often eggs are thought as being fragile. God is not fragile, but an egg has a shell, has the white of the egg, and then has the yolk. Um, I guess that works. It's one egg, has three parts, okay? And yet, it's so much more complex than that. As we open God's Word, and there's over 60 places in the New Testament alone that refer to God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that reveal those unique attributes of His personhood, and yet also reveal and uphold the fact that He is one God. Um, that's hard to understand. You know, one plus one plus one equals one. Wait a minute. That doesn't work in our math. And yet God reveals Himself as one God and yet his Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. As theologians through the years and centuries have grappled with this, um, it wasn't until later that the word Trinity would be introduced in Christianity. This may surprise some of you, because what a passage do you turn to to find the word Trinity? Anybody know? Well, it's in the book of Hezekiah, chapter 8, verse 2. That should cause alarm, because there is no book of the Bible called Hezekiah, and you can't turn to it because the word Trinity, because it's kind of funny, wasn't it? I'm just saying. Okay, so, but the word Trinity, I mean, seriously, Trinity, the word does not appear in Scripture. And, uh, you know, I've had it happen. Jehovah's Witness comes to the door, uh, you know, and they say, uh, uh, you tell them, well, I'm a, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer in Jesus, I, I go to a Christian church, I go to a Lutheran church, and, and a lot of times what they're trained to say is, um, did you know uh, that the Trinity is not taught in the Bible? And I've had that said to me, and I've been prepared to answer it, say, well, actually, you're correct, the word Trinity does not show up in the Scripture, but the teaching, the doctrine is everywhere. And that brings on a pretty fun conversation from the nun. Love having those conversations. The word Trinity does not show up till later. It comes as a result of, in those early days of the church, and the Apostles' Creed was one of those first statements of faith early on. Um, the Apostles did not write the Apostles' Creed. That may surprise some of you or rock some of your worlds. I can get that. Um, but it actually was developed over the first two centuries uh, by the church of the day. 
um, in recognizing that as new people were coming to faith, they had something, needed something that would summarize Scripture, what Scripture spoke of and, and taught on who God was and what God has done. And so the Apostles' Creed came about as a very simple formulation, we just confessed it, of what it means to be a follower of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, historic Christianity. It was often recited at baptisms when a believer would come and be baptized or a family would be brought to faith through the washing of the water, the word. And, and it was important that that summary of what we believe was utilized and shared versus just kind of coming up with it on the fly and saying, well, I don't know what I feel like believing today. And what do you think? And, well, what do you think? No, I mean, uh, that's, the, the, that's our mentality today. But we've got to back up. Is there such thing as truth? And in the words of Nicodemus, how can this be that God has revealed himself in such a way? You know, as theologians have grappled with this, they, they found that, that what God's word teaches us is, is that while there are one God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, yet one God, it's inaccurate to say that the Father is the Son and that the Son is the Spirit. There was a, a heresy that came about called mobilism that taught that God the Father changed modes or he came into onto the earth and, and left heaven and, and father goes away from the heavens as, as the son comes to earth the father becomes a son uh, does the work of, of redemption and then returns to heaven and then sends the Holy Spirit and comes back as the Holy Spirit in other words one God but he comes in different modes and the early church condemned this idea because it's not scriptural scriptural teaches clearly that's not the way God has revealed himself and you might be saying, well, big deal. What, what is the big deal in all of this? Does it really matter? Well, let me ask you, does your name matter? Does it? I remember my first church I served. I'm sorry, second church. First church, same thing, but second church I served. I was there for over 12 years, 13 years. And uh, my first six or eight years being there, uh, people would say to me again and again, Wow, you know, if you were only like Pastor Dave, Pastor Dave knows everybody's name. He's really good with names. And I remember thinking that every time I heard that, I'm like, yeah, but Pastor Dave has been here like 20 years. And I know Pastor Dave, and Pastor Dave would tell you I'm not very good with names, but I've just been here a long time, and I know people. And uh, it was funny, after I, I crossed like five, six-year mark uh, at St. Paul, and, and I'd have people coming up like, wow, you are so good with names. You know everybody's name. And I'd smile and say, no, I've just been here a while. And, but names are important. Um, when I got here, um, there was a woman in our, and there is a woman in our congregation, and I repeatedly have been calling her Ruth for about two years. And then one day, she stopped me and she said, Pastor, I love you dearly, but you realize my name isn't Ruth, it's Sharon. <laughs> and I smiled and gave her a big hug. And I said, I'm so sorry. But she looks like somebody I know named Ruth, and it just fit, and it stuck. You know, you've probably done the same, where we realize that names are important. And, and here's the thing, with, with relationships, if you get a name wrong, that relationship is only going to go so far. I mean, if, for instance, I wear my name tag, and you keep calling me Billy Bob, uh, there's a point where I'm going to be offended by that, saying, hello, my name is Pastor Mark. Or actually, more accurately, my name is Mark Schwichtenberg. That's the, the name I was given at my birth. My parents chose it for me. It, it, it reveals part of my identity, 
part of my story. Names are so important. You know, if God is in the business of revealing his name, and there's places so many where God puts on a name tag and tells us who he is. Who are we to be so bold as to say that doesn't matter? We'll call God by whatever we want. Call him as this unknowable father of us all. Generic names for just God in the generic sense. Or calling him some other name that he has not revealed himself to be. This is a problem. Because as God has revealed himself, we find out that truth becomes very important as well. It's why the, the church has gathered around understanding God again and again through the centuries and has continued to refine our teaching and our belief and understanding based on God's word, not our reason, but rather on what God reveals through his, his word. It's why we've got councils that, that met in those first centuries of the Christian church, from Council of Nicaea, or Constant, Constantinople, or Toledo in Spain, or others, or God's people came together to grapple together, to pray together, and to seek to have that confession that would uphold God's word in its truth. May we never de defy that. May we realize that part of having a relationship with God is knowing his name. And not just knowing his name, but then calling on him and as he reveals himself to us more and more. Grappling with what it means to bear the name of Jesus. I love how Jesus, in our gospel reading today, has that meeting with Nicodemus, one of the Sanhedrin, the, the Jewish council of the time, and, and Jesus was being persecuted by that same council, and yet Nicodemus comes to him at night and asking him questions about who he is and why he has come. And it's there Jesus reveals, you know, being born of the Spirit and the Word, and, and that revelation of what it means to be born again. And Nicodemus just says, how can this possibly be? How, how can an old man be born again and enter again into his mother's womb? That doesn't make any sense. And Jesus would go on to reveal not just information about how the Spirit works and what the Spirit's role is in bringing somebody to faith, but Jesus would go on and tell about that relationship with the Father that sends his one and only Son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. That this relationship, as God reveals himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, revealed as one God who comes to us to bring about eternal change. And a God who would reveal himself in us through his word. The Holy Spirit that points to Christ and comes as the advocate or the counselor or the one that leads through the word people to believe and know. The, the Father who is creator of all and, and that, that redeemer who comes as the Son of God to set us free by dying on a cross, that our sins would be forgiven, that we would, be have, would have life in his name, that one day when he comes back in glory, that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow in heaven and on earth. A God who reveals himself and actually calls us by name as he reveals his name. You know, it's pretty neat to me when you think about it. Trying to get the whole ocean into a little hole with a bucket is impossible. And yet, isn't that exactly what God has done for us? He's brought us to faith through the washing of the water and the word. And God mentions and, and makes it clear to us that God himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, comes to dwell in his people. 
in that small hole of our minds, in our hearts, in our lives, God actually manifests himself in and through his people who call on him by name, who celebrate that victory that is ours as people of God and the truth he reveals. The next few weeks, we're going to explore what that means to have a relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're going to start with the Son next week, and we'll go on to the Holy Spirit. And then for Father's Day, we're going to dwell on what it means to have a Father. Praise God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your truth and the fact that you reveal yourself to us in a way that can be known. We don't have to guess. We don't have to ponder. We don't have to leave it up to our feelings or our our whims or our, 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 our thoughts of the day to figure out who you are. Rather, you have revealed your truth and you reveal yourself with a name we call on today, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And just as Jesus declared it in, in going out into the world and baptizing in that name, that singular name, yet as you reveal yourself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, so you've done the same to us. You've called us by name as children of God in our baptism. We are adopted into your family. We bear your name. And that incredible presence of Almighty God rests in us by that calling. But Lord, we also pray that you continue to teach us and lead us to know you more and more with a hunger and a thirst to know you better. Lead us in that kind of way as your people more and more, as you live as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and as we live, redeemed people of God in that name. Amen.